It's Wednesday night, and we are studying the Bible of many areas of it. I've been talking about baptism, and I'm going to give you a little bit more on parts of speech in the Greek language. That makes all the difference in the world. I want to say a little bit before I get back into our main subject on baptism. I'm going to say a little bit about infinities. And conjunctions. These make just make make the whole Bible come together. Uh, I want you to turn with me over there to Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. There, there's some preachers that call themselves prophecy teachers, and they try to interpret this absolutely incorrectly. And that's because of the tense. Tense of verbs. And tense of infinities. Now an infinitive is what you would call a noun but it is verbal in character. The character of it being a verb, it has tense. Tense means past, present, or some form of future tense. When I say some form, you got future perfect something that's going to happen in the future. Past, present, and future. Whenever I say something is an aorist indicative, every time you see that, it means it is past tense. But you have several ways that an indicative, an aorist indicative can be used as a past tense verb. It can either be used as a constitutive constitutive and ingressive Or consumative. Now, constitutive means it's an aorist indicative that is a constitutive. It starts in the past, but it is constant by the meaning of the word. And the only way you can tell if it's constant is if this is something that continues, like being crucified. When Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, well, it was interpreted, I am, but that is an aorist indicative, and in the English text it shows it as present tense, but the reason they did that is because 
as a past tense, we are crucified every day and we have a cross daily. We have to bear our cross daily. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And in aggressive, it's very difficult to tell the difference between a constitutive and an aggressive because in aggressive, I sold real estate for a long time and you had something called an ingress in real estate. If you, I sold a house one. I saw had a piece of property listed. This is the road here, and it was behind these other people's property. Behind their property was back here. Well, the state of Tennessee requires in real estate that if you're landlocked, and that's what they'd call that landlocked. I don't know what the law is now, but back then you had to give this man an ingress. That means a way in, a road in to his land back here. That was called an ingress. An ingress means to move into. Well, that's what an ingressive uh, aorist indicative is. It moves into, it starts in the past and it moves into it. And But it doesn't say when it stops. So it would be very close to a constitutive. The consumative starts in the past and it ends in the past. It's one time. It's consumed when it's spoken. Jesus died on a cross. That happened 2,000 years ago. Died on a cross. On a cross. So this would be the difference. I want to show you something here in Second Thessalonians that makes all the difference in the world. The the uh, tense of the verb. I'm going to look at an infinitive and a uh, an infinitive and look at. A participle here. Look at Second Second Thessalonians. Now, when most people that call themselves they call themselves prophecy preachers, they will put what they do when they read this verse. They like to put in. They are quoting from the seventy weeks of Daniel, particularly Don nine uh, Daniel nine. 23 through 27. When the verse 27 says, talking about the end of time of the 70th week, that in the midst of the week, in the middle of the last week of Daniel's 70 week, mid of the week, which will be the last seven years of time, last seven years, and I have to teach the entire 70 weeks to go into that, that in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. The oblation was the bread offering that was offered every day, every day with the daily sacrifice. Well, these guys, like Hal Lindsay and 
Jack Van Impey will try to come up and say, this is the sacrifice and the oblation ceasing in the 70th week of Daniel's 70 weeks. It can't because of the tense of the verb. When you look over here, it's talking about the end of time, 2 Thessalonians 2, and the end of time will be here. But Paul is talking about during the day that he's living. He says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by gathering together unto him. He's talking about being gathered with Christ at the end of time in the air. It's a reference, same reference of the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians. We which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or trouble, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. He said it's not at hand now while he's writing this. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of the Lord, will not come except there come a falling away first. Falling away is the word apostasis. It's our word apostasy. It means the removal of everything that is stasis. Stasis means to stand upright. What made a man stand upright and do the truth was a daily cross. And from stasis we get the word staros, which is the word cross. So it will be a removal, apo, of standing upright and the daily cross. S-T-A-U, excuse me, R-O-S. Or the daily cross. Well, read on, and this is where these prophecy preachers really go astray. They try to get this 70th week of Daniel into this chapter simply by reading it into that fourth verse. But let's read down to it. That you be not soon shaken in mind nor troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor letter from us that that day of Christ, when he comes back in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, and flaming fire taking vengeance on all those that know not God, that obey not the gospel. Lord, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of the Lord coming in the air, shall not come except to come two things first. There has to be a falling away first, apostasis, and that man of sin has to be revealed as the son of position, perdition. Then we go into that verse where they try to read that into the 70 weeks. And it says, This man of sin who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. You have to look at the infinitives here and the participle. The word opposeth, autokime, opposeth is a participle. A participle is a verbal Adjective, participle, is an adjective. 
Adjectives tell, they tell how. No, excuse me. I've got, I'm going to give you an adverb. Adjectives tell which, what kind of, or how many. Every time you find a participle, it is a verbal adjective. Usually, participles in the English always are ing words. ing. The uh, the flying bird did this or that. Well, flying would be a participle. Participles are adjectives. This word right here, you got, you've got one, two, three participles. The word opposeth, exalteth, are participles, and the word showing is a participle, and they have to have the. They must have the character of a verb, and they're all present tense. And what this verse is saying, it has one infinitive in it, sitteth. That's a verbal noun. It is a noun. A noun is a person, place, or thing. And since they are verbal, they have to have tense to them. The participle is showing, excuse me, the participle is sitting, sitteth. It is a present tense participle. So what he's saying is the man of sin has already led the church astray, and it has already gone astray, and the apostasy has already started here in the second chapter of second thessalonians it's already done so it's talking about in the temple of god which temple we are mr enoch pond was a congregationalist minister back a couple hundred years ago they were uh that's what the puritans started calling themselves congregationalists Congregation, G-A-T-I-O-N. Congregational. A congregationalist was what the Puritans began to call themselves after they dropped the word Puritan. And he was a congregationalist minister. Mr. Pond said that that the church began to apostatize as a whole at the end of the second century when they began to turn themselves over to to synods synods and associations whenever you have someone telling you what to believe like conventions 
Like the Southern Baptist Convention, they have a policy that everybody has to teach the same thing. Then what you've got, you've got an apostasy going on. So opposeth is a present tense participle. Exalteth, exalteth, present tense participle. Sitteth, present tense infinitive. And showing, present tense participle. And then he says, remember you not that I, when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Now you know what's holding the church down that it might, that he might be revealed in his time. The man of sin has to be revealed. Revealed, apocalypto. Means to off with the cover. When the cover is taken off of the man of sin, that will be at the end of time when he is exposed. And then he says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. That is a reference back to him opposing God, sitting in the temple of God, exalting himself and showing himself that he is God. That was already happening in the church. In the second chapter of Second Thessalonians, and the mystery of iniquity is a reference to this man sitting in the church. It means the church was already apostate. That's why Paul had to write to these churches and correct them in all of their error. Just to depart from from the truth means to go into apostasy. Now, let me give you another one that we are familiar with. Go over to Romans 8. Romans 8. In Romans 8, there are some conjunctions. You've got conjunctions. Conjunction joins two, either two dependent clauses or two independent clauses. You've got and, for, these are two of them I'm going to talk about right now. These are conjunctions. For, if I'm reading along, and uh, and I start, if you start, like over here in, in Romans, the fifth chapter, in the Romans, the fifth chapter, and I say, therefore, if I walk up to you and said, therefore, I'm going down. What do you mean, therefore? Therefore, it's referring back to the previous chapter. It's, you have, these are not, you don't have chapter headings. And you don't have verse 18, 19, 20. Those are not in the original text. The original text were in scrolls. They just rolled them out to where they wanted to be. Chapter 2, verse 1 is not in the text. When you have therefore, it's talking about the previous chapter, what was just said there. Sometimes I'm quoting over here. I always had something in mind. Uh, Go over here to Romans 8. Romans 8. I'm going to talk about this a little tonight. 
All right. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore. Whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean there is therefore? There is therefore. Therefore is a conjunction. There is a conjunction referring back to the previous verses in chapter 7. You can't just start a... Uh, start a conversation with therefore if you will follow me I'll take you down here to therefore means I just said something else that has to connect these when you go over here to Romans 8 in Romans 8 29 for that is a conjunction it's you have coordinate conjunctions. It connects two different thoughts. You usually use an and, but for would be a subordinate conjunction. Sub, O-R-D-I-N-A-T-E. Subordinate means to obey. This for has to obey the thoughts in the previous verses. You can't just say, for whom he did, for no, he also did predestinate. You can say it, but what do you mean by for? When you go to the previous verses, it's talking about groaning. There in verse 26, he makes intercession for us which with groanings which cannot be uttered. Groaning has to do with for. Groanings. Stenazzo. Well, stenazzo is a, is a verb form of stenos. When I say a verb form, you have a noun. A noun. The verb shows the movement of what would be the noun. The noun is, is stationary. That's gym or a table or a, that's a person, place, or thing. That's a noun. Stenazo is the movement of stenos. Stenos is the word straight. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few that find there be that find the straight and narrow way. And stenazo is the word groan. That's what you're doing when you're going through the narrow way and the straight gate. That's the noise you're making. Man, this is hard. This is difficult. Well, I was talking to a guy yesterday, and I was telling him about predestination. He said he didn't believe that. And we're groaning that we're telling people the truth. And when you see groanings in verse 26, and you see groan in verse 23, and you see groaneth, Groaneth is sustenazo, means to, we know that the whole creation groaneth, there's more than one groaning, sustenazo, S-U-S-T-E-N-A-Z-O. Sustenazo means, comes from su, sum, sug, it means fellowship. We're groaning in fellowship with others. When you see sum on the front of a word or su or sug, 
they are forms of the same word. So it means there's fellowship and groaning in the creation. The creation is you and I. It's not talking about the trees and the ground and the, and the land. So it's the groaning. What is all this talking about? It's talking about, I didn't mean to get on with this, but it's talking about backing up to this carnal mind. Let me give you something. I don't know exactly how to say this. (laughs) Do one of y'all know how to say it? I'm going to try to say it. Everything that's being said in the 8th chapter of Romans backs up to the 7th chapter of Romans. And it backs up to the 6th chapter of Romans. This has to do with baptism. This is really something. I've been to see this today. Look at uh, chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? You just start a sentence like that? Well, Dave, what shall we say then? Well, I don't know. What are you talking about, Jim? (laughs) You can't just say, what shall we say then? That has to do with the previous chapter where he says, moreover, the law, that in verse 20 of the previous chapter, the law entered in that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so, might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he says, Because grace abounds, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in, continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We're not to be continuing sin. When he says that, he's saying, Is it possible for the believer to continue in sin. Well, certainly it's possible. But the reason he says, God forbid, is because you've got a man inside of you after you're born again that wants to go back to sin. This is going to lead us all the way through these chapters, all the way over to chapter uh, chapter 7. Look, look, let me read a little of this. God forbid... How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, do you think that's a water washing? you think that's dipping into water? No, it's not. Baptize, originally, it's people don't like this. Mr. James Strong who was a producer of the Strong's Concordance, got several of them up here, Strong's Concordance. This is his 12-volume that he employed, 12-volume encyclopedia. There's Strong's Concordance. Mr. James Strong, he's got 12 volumes of the McClinic and Strong Cyclopedia, Biblical, Ecclesiastical, and Theological Literature, and this blue set right here. And Mr. Strong says that baptize was originally an infinitive. And Robert Baker Girlstone says the same thing. Baptize, when you look up baptize in the Strong's Concordance, it will tell you 
It'll tell you that baptize. It'll say baptizo. And then he'll say to cover. To cover does not mean to dip into anything. Sometimes it'll get cold at night and I'm very... Uh, cold nature. I'm warm. Well, I want to be warm. I know which one you call it. And uh, I want to be warm. And I'll ask Mary, "Can you co- get that quilt over and cover me up?" Covered up doesn't mean I've dipped into the blanket. It means the blanket is spread over me to cover. And then it'll say, "See, Bapto." says this in the Strong's Concordance. Under Babto it says to stain or die. That's in the Strong's Concordance will tell you you cover something. If you cover it, you bring something over the top of it. You don't dip it into anything. Baptize, I don't care. If you get one of these late model concordances where they have abridged it, changed the meanings. Some of them say to immerse, but Mr. Strong did not say that in his original concordance. He said it means to cover, to stain with a dye. It was an infinitive, and that's what baptizo means. Mr. Girdlestone says the same thing. I've got other writers that say the same thing. It is an infinitive. That's why all these verses that look like, why would God have Paul write down here, knowing this, that as many of you were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death. A blood baptism was called a death or a martyrdom in the first century. So you're baptized into the death of Christ. This is not talking about water. This is talking about a blood baptism. He's washed us from our sins in his own blood. There are verses that look like, this looks like it's water if you don't know any better than that. It's not water that washes away your sin. Uh, The scripture says in Acts the 22nd chapter of the 16th verse, uh, Ananias says, Arise, be baptized, and wash away thy sins. Water will not wash away sins, but blood will. That's a a blood baptism was a death. Now, let me continue reading. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death. I've said so many times, buried, they didn't bury their people six feet under. They buried them in a tomb. You don't dip somebody downward and say this is biblically like Christ. You're baptized, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like Christ is raised up from the dead by the glory of our Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Then he says, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. How often are we crucified? Luke nine twenty three, 
If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. We're crucified daily. Therefore, I want to show you something here. If we're crucified daily, that the body of sin might be destroyed. The word destroyed, katargeo, means to annihilate. How is the body of sin destroyed? If the crucifying is daily, then the destroying is daily, isn't it? You don't get over your sin all of a sudden one day. Has everybody got over their sin yet? No. So what he does, he takes us over into this next chapter and talks about this man of sin being destroyed. When you get into chapter 7, in chapter 7, Paul talks about the outer man and the inner man. Let me get something over here. Now let's go over here. So he introduces us to this outer man that is being destroyed daily by blood baptism. And he says down here in verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. What's he talking about? I am carnal. I am. Am is the word in me. E-I-M-I. It's a verb. It's present tense verb. I am. Present tense. This is while Paul was writing. He said, I've got this carnal man in me that I'm going to have to go through a blood baptism every day. And does he go through it when the people are chasing him all over the country? Yes. He says, I am carnal, sold under sin. Watch what he says. For that which I do. Present tense. The word is katrogazomai. You may recognize that. K-A-T-E-R-E-R-G-A-Z-O-M-A-I. It means to fully accomplish And katrogazomai in this verse is the word do, present tense. He says, and that which I do, I don't allow in my life. Allow is the word gnosko. It means to know or, or be aware of or perceive. He said, I don't want this in my life. What I'm doing. You know, this is one of the hardest things for a lot of people to to interpret this chapter, I have people call me over the years. I just don't know what that means. I said, that means you've got an inner man and an outer man, and the outer man don't want to behave himself. And that's your sin that you have to overcome. And God's got to put you through fire or blood baptism to overcome that so that you can go to the next chapter and go through the groaning and be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Without the blood baptism, you'll not be like Christ. That which I do, I don't want in my life. I don't perceive. For what I would, 
The word wood, W-U-L-D, is the word thalo, T-H-E-L-O. Thalo. It's a form of, it's a form of T-H-E-L-E-M-A. That is the word in John 1, in John the first chapter, verse 11, uh, verse 13, when he says, we were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That word will is thelema. So Paul is saying, what I will to do, I'm not doing. What I would, that do I not. The word do there is present tense. It's the word prasso, P-R-A-S-S-O. The second word do, this word do here. He says, what I would, that do I not. Do is the word prasso. P-R-A-S-S-O. It's our word practice. I don't do that over and over. And it's present tense. All these are present tense verbs. That means while I'm writing this book, these are things that's going on in my life right now. Now, do you feel so bad? Paul says, I can't get my life right. I, and that do I not for what I hate now this word do is poeo p-o-i-e-o that do I he said what I hate that do I that word is poeo present tense active voice p-o-i-e-o active voice he says, I got this man in me that I can't control. It's that old man over in chapter 6 that is crucified with Christ. But if he's crucified, he's crucified every day because I can't get over him. Can you see how the seventh chapter has to do with the sixth chapter? And then he says, if then I do, poeo, that which I would not, would, thalo, that which I do not will to do. In fact, this word thalo is a form of thalema in John one thirteen. It's also a form of, over there in John 3, where the Lord says, The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou canst not tell from whence it cometh, or whither it goeth, so is everyone that born of the Spirit. That is the word thalo. Thalo means will. The wind blows where it wills to blow. That's predestination. The spirit blows where it wants to blow and makes alive where it wants to make alive. He says, I do that which I would not. I consent. Oiko. Oiko. Oiko usa. That is present tense. I consent unto the law that it is good. When I do the things that I don't want to do, I'm saying the law is good for me. I need to stop this. Paul had a hard time living right. He says so right here. Now then, it is no more that do it. Do, capital my present tense. All these verbs here are present tense verbs. 
Paul said, I can't get it right. You feel bad about the way you live? Well, compare yourself to Paul. It's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth. The word dwelleth, okusa, comes from oikos, meaning it's housed in me. O-I-K-O-U-S-A. O-I-K-O-U-S-A. It means it comes from oikos, means it's housed, It's that's house. It means it's housed in me. Sin is housed in me. I want to get rid of it. That's why we get over to chapter 8, conforming to the likeness of Christ in verse 29. All the chapter 6 and 7 and 8 go together. He says, I got this old man in me. He won't die. Do you have a hard time giving up sin? Thank you, Day. We all have a hard time. When you're young, it's not as hard when you're 80. I'll be 80 in two weeks. It's not as hard to quit doing the things that you did when you was 40 or when you was 35. When you get old and what, you're too tired to do it anymore. Then he says in verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, this old man dwelleth oikos, house, houses no good thing. For to will, thelene, T-H-E-L-E-I-N, a form of, of thelo, T-H-E-L-E-I-N. It's just a form of thelema or thelo. He says, to will is present with me. It's always with me. And how to perform, how to catergazomai, how to present tense, how to do it today, I don't know how. Boy, Paul must have been wrestling with himself here. That how to perform that which is good, I don't find in me. For the good that I would, thalo, that's the word would, present tense, active voice, don't even know how to do right. I do not. Poeo is the word do there. P-O-I-E-O. I don't know how to do it. But the evil which I would not, that word would, is the word thalo. Every time you find would, it means will to do. That which I would, that which, I, but the evil which I would, that's, that's what I do. Now if I do, poeo, P-O-I-E-O, remember that word? means to perform or do right. That which I do, that I would not, that I would not do, I don't want to do it, is the word thalo, present tense. That which I would, now if I do that without a would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth, oiko, sin is housed in me. When you find that dwelleth, 
You remember the word house, O-I-K-O-S. Christ is the son of his own house. Whose house are we? Oikos means house or family. And every time you find this word dwelleth in here, it means to house inside of me. Sin is housed in me. I find that in a law that when I would do good, do, poeo, present tense infinitive, that which I want to be doing, evil is present with me, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. This outward man, I can't get away from him. You know, I had that in my life for a long time. I couldn't get away from the old me. I wanted to be famous and I wanted to be a star and I wanted to be rich and I thought, man, how can these other people do this? Then he says, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. He's going to talk about the the man that's crucified over in the previous chapter, but that guy has to be crucified every day because he sits on our doorstep every day. Can you all see that? You think you're better than Paul because you can't get a hold of your life. He said, I can't get a hold of mine. You know, I believe when he got angry at Barnabas, he got angry at Barnabas because Barnabas wanted to take John Mark on a second missionary journey because John Mark had quit before they even got to the persecution. And Paul and Barnabas had a sharp division between them. I don't believe Paul would have done that when he was older. I believe that was called his young. And I don't believe that's a commendation to Paul that he got sharp with Barnabas. I believe it's to show Paul's sinful nature. And bringing me into the law of captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Then he addresses that man that he says is crucified every day over there in the 6th chapter, O wretched man that I am. What that says in the original original text, O wretched man, it is me. That's what it says. Who shall deliver me from the body of this old man that wants to keep doing wrong? when I know I need to be doing right. Do you feel that way sometimes? I keep wanting to do right, and I keep doing wrong. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest men that ever lived, says, that is ever with me as a young believer. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, the person that's born again, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. That's the outer man. What is this? This answers. This answers 1 John 1 and 8 and 3 and 9. This answers it. Go to 1 John. If you think you have a hard time giving up sin, you're not any different than the Apostle Paul. Now, some people want to condemn other people for having sin in their life. Watch out, you that judge another. You'll be judged, the Bible says there in Romans, the second, the third chapter, the fourth chapter, excuse me, verse 1. 
Thou that judgest, you're going to be judged. Now, look over here in 1 John. Now, keeping in mind these two men, the inner man, which is Christ in you, and the outer man, which is self, that you can't get over. It's going to take years of fire and trial to crucify this old man. And the baptism is permanent. Look here. 1 John 1 and 8. If we say we have no sin, Paul said it's sin that dwelleth in me when I do these things. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But then he addresses, John addresses this inner man over in 1 John 3 and 9. Whosoever is born of God, which part of that man over there in 7 and 6 of Romans is born again? It's the inner man, not the outer man. The outer man wants to sin, the things that I do. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. But verse 8 over in chapter 1 says, if we say we have no sin, we're deceived. Well, what part is you that can't sin? Christ in you, the birth of the Lord inside of you. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. Christ remains in you, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Now go back over here to Romans. So the outer man can never be saved. No, the outer man is not going to be saved. No, the outer man, we've got to get over our outer man because we're going to get new bodies one day. We'll have the inner man, and then we'll have the outer man. It'll be replaced by a new body. We which are alive and remain, caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and we'll have new bodies. That's what he's saying. But while we're here on earth, God's going to put us through fire and trials to cause us to get over ourselves. We can't... Paul is saying, I can't get over myself, but it's sin in me. I can't get rid of it. God help me. And he says over here, when you get into chapter 8 of Romans, he's still talking about that inner and outer man in chapter 7, and he's talking about that man knowing that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed over a long period of time. You don't get over your sin all of a sudden one day, do you? Nobody does. Well, I've been the biggest sinner in the world. And God has really dealt with me. I'm not the man that I was at 30, 35 years old. Not even nowhere close to that man. I pray God forgive me. And then he says, because this man is the way he is, there is therefore, in verse 1 of chapter 8, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, the outer man that he spoke of in the previous verse, of verse 25. I serve the law of God after the inner man with the mind, and I serve the flesh or sin with the outer man. So he says, there's therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after that fleshly man of verse 25 of the previous chapter, but after the spirit, which is that same man spoken of in chapter 25 of the previous chapter. For the law of the spirit, can you see how you move right into chapter 8 from chapter 7 and how he's talking about that 
outer man being crucified daily since we die daily in chapter 6. And then he says, There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, after that outer man, but after the spirit, the inner man. For the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm free from it. I'm free from it in the sense that inner man can't sin. That's Christ in me. He lets me know when I'm living wrong. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh. Then let's go on and read a little bit of this. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled, that's in the inner man, in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. We don't walk after that outer man, but the inner man. He's still referencing the outer and the inner man all the way into chapter 9. And then he says, For they that are after the flesh, the outer man, do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the inner man, from chapter, verse 25 of the previous chapter, the things of the spirit. To be carnally minded is death. That's to have the mind of the outer man. That man's going to die. This old flesh is going to die one day. And if God doesn't, if you're not born again, you won't get a new body to go with it. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, walking after the inner man according to the law of God, is life and peace. Great peace have they that love thy law, Psalm 119, 165. Because the carnal mind, the outer man, is enmity, hostile, ekthra, E-C-H-T-H-R-A. Is hostile to God. The outer man is hostile against God. For it is not subject to the law, the outer man is not. Neither indeed can be. So that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Those that are walking after the outer man, no way you can please God. But ye are not in flesh, but in the spirit. Notice, he keeps talking about the inner and the outer man, doesn't he? The flesh is the outer man. That, he says, serves the law of the flesh. In verse 25 of the previous chapter, he's the guy that can't do right in the previous verses of the previous chapter. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, that's the inner man. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, which is the inner man, you hadn't been born again, you don't belong to God. The thing that makes you know you belong to God is when you say, I was wrong doing that. I need to straighten up and fly right. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. The inner man is righteous because Christ is in you. You got to get over yourself. That's what every one of us have to do. And you can't do that all of a sudden because 
Your old man has to be crucified that the body of sin may be destroyed. The only way you can get over yourself is stay in the fire. Go through the fire. By the time you're 60, 65, 70, you'll start saying, Boy, this fight with the world ain't working. I'm going to quit fighting. I've done that. I've quit fighting. There's people on the Internet try to fight me right now. Y'all are wasting your time. I'm not going to fight. Some of them are listening to lies that's been told about me. And that don't matter if that's what you want to believe. Go ahead. I'm not going to fight anyone. But if the spirit of him, every time it says spirit, in the 8th chapter is talking about the inner man. Talking about verse 25 of chapter 7. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, that's the one that serves the law of God. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Quicken. Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O. Now notice it doesn't say, it doesn't say, this is not talking about us being changed at the end of time, getting our new bodies. This is talking about quickening these mortal bodies that we live in. How does that happen? Z O O P O I E O. Zopio, make alive our mortal bodies. What will do that? The fire. You got the outer man? Outer man? that serves the flesh and the inner man that serves the law of God and if God will give you enough fire and enough trial over a long period of time you'll get tired of fighting you'll say I give up Lord and this inner man will take over most of your life and you'll learn to be content with whatever happens saying it's all been ordained by God and the fire and the trials will get rid of self, pride, everything that hinders you growing in the truth. Fire and trials, I'll tell you what, at 80, I don't want to fight nobody. I, if somebody starts fighting me, I just say, okay. Rusty's been in a lot of fights. He used to be a world champion uh, Kung Fu fighter. Did you get tired of fighting? Huh? Got too old. Huh? Got too old. <laughs> so told me, I fought and fought and fought till I didn't want to fight no more. You just get to a place, you do that with your spiritual life. If you're out there on the internet fighting, you're wasting your time. I'm trying to tell you, that doesn't get anywhere. You fight all your life. I'm not going to fight anyone. I don't believe in it. I used to. I used to believe in it 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Boy, I believed in it when I was 45 to beat the band, you know. Don't believe in it. It gets nowhere and it does nobody any good. Now, where was I? And notice, all through here is the flesh and the spirit. It's the flesh opposes the spirit. So, let's go back here. 
in verse 10. And if Christ be in you, that's the inner man, the body is dead because of sin. The body is dead in sin out here. And it, God is going to take over your life. If enough time passes and you go through enough fire, you'll fight till you say, I just, I'm, I give up. I don't want it to God. That's you, isn't it? You're, you're the one that's causing all this to happen. The time will come where all my enemies will quit and I'll be dead. That's the way it works. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. When you start living righteousness, Dikaya Usune comes from DK meaning right. When you do right, you're more at peace. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it's housed in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken not a new body, but your mortal bodies in the sense that it will take over you and you'll have more righteousness in you than you'll have in this outer man. As you get older, you'll have a thin veneer of flesh, but you won't have that much because you'll get tired of it. I get tired of the flesh overall, just period. I don't. Sometimes I don't want anything. I don't want a new car. It wasn't too many years ago I'd drive up beside something and say, oh, you know, I'd like to have one of those. I drive a 19-year-old RAV4, and I'd never drive up beside any car that I wish I had. I did maybe 10 years ago, but not now. Because after I get through talking to people about predestination and Christmas is pagan, it ain't going to matter what I'm driving. They're not going to like me anyway. They're going to hate me, and they're going to make fun and say, look at there, he got that big new car, and he's just as smart as it, and he thinks he knows everything. <laughs> and that's what people do. Then he says, he'll quicken these bodies we're in and cause us to live for Christ when he takes over our bodies. He'll make you give up. You'll throw your hands in there and say, I surrender. Quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Now, do you understand that? We're not debtors to live after sin, after this outer man. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify, necro, N-E-K-R-O-O, we get the word necromancy talking to the dead from that. And necro means to kill off. Kill off. We'll kill off that outer man over a long period of time. If the fire gets so hot and the trials get so hard and you get to a place, I just can't stand this no more. And God says, give up. And you say, yeah, I do, Lord. You let people have their way with you. When pe you let people have their way, you're not giving in to their sin. You're just saying, if that's what you want to do, go ahead. I don't try to correct people that don't want to be corrected. Mortify the deeds of the body. Then he says in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, that's the inner man that's born again, 
They are the sons of God. You want to know what sons of God are? Those that live after the inner man. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba. Ab is the word father in the, in the Hebrew. Ab. And adoption is H-U-I-O-T-H-E-S-I-A. It comes from huyos, H-U-I-O-S, which is the word sons. And tithame, meaning to place. God has placed us as sons. We have been adopted as sons into the kingdom. He did it by his will, and we don't have nothing to do with it. Then he says, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. He's talking about the inner man. Bears witness that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So if so be we suffer with him that we may be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, the sufferings is talking about the fire and the trial that's getting rid of the outer man or self. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature. We're the, we're the only creatures he's talking about. There's a creation here. Creation is the word katidzo. That is the creation is the believers. We've been created new creatures in Christ. Old things have passed away, build all things that come new. We're new creations. This is talking about believers. This is not talking about it's not talking about the earth and the trees and the and the world. It's not talking about that creation. It's talking about the new creation. And he says, For the manifestation, the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Well, the sons of God are those who walk after the, in verse 14, the sons of God are the ones who are led by the Spirit, the inner man. For the creature was made, it's talking about us. For the creature was made subject to vanity. Matiotes, M-A-T-A-I-O-T-E-S. M-A-T-A-I-O-T-E-S. T-E-S. Matiotes means, means futility. It means transitness. It means to be wandering away from God. We, the believers, are the creatures who are made subject to vanity, but not according to our will, not willingly, but by reason of him, talking about God, who hath subjected the same in hope, we were made subject to sin and vanity to this outer man who subjected the inner man, the new birth with hope. And he picks out who he wants to be, the inner man, and that's his predestinated elect. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. That's us. 
with the new creations in Christ into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation, talking about us, the believers, groaneth. The world out here doesn't groan. They're living high life and in their sin, doing what they want. Groaneth. The whole creation groaneth. Since it's the whole creation, groaneth has to be sustenazo, or going through the straight gate with the others in the believers. And travaileth in pain together until now. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, talking about the believers, even we ourselves groan, stenazo, going through the straight gate, straight, remember straight, is the word stenos, it's a form of groan. It's the verb form of groan. Stenos, straight gate, means you're crowded through a narrow opening with all the pressure on all sides from the people and they are the fire and the trial that God's putting us through. Grown with themselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, or that is to say, the redemption of our bodies. We're waiting for a new body so we don't have to put up with this outer man anymore that tempts us so much and makes us want our way. Getting over me has been a lifetime process. I just couldn't get over me. I was so proud. I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to be rich. God says, you can't have that. For we are saved by hope. And, but hope that is seen is not hope. Elpizza was the word hope. It means to depend on a promise. E-L-P-I-Z-O. Depend on the promises of God who's already made his promises. But if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. We can't see the thing that we're hoping for. I'm, I'm hoping for the promise of God in my world that I can have truth and I can have eternal life. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, our ailments, not just physical, but our spiritual ailments. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. We got this wrestling match going on between the inner man and the outer man, and we don't know what to pray for. But pray is the word prosuke, P-R-O-U, S-U-C-H-E. It's a form of prosukomai. Pray means to will forward toward another. We don't even know what to pray for when we're in this wrestling match with this outer sinful man and this inner man, which is Christ. We don't know what to ask for. God says, I know what you need. You need this fire that you hate. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. Intercession is a very... See... You can't understand Romans 8 and 29 until you understand all the rest of this chapter. You can't understand for whom he did for no, he also did predestinate until you know what it's about. Can we see what it's about here? For the Spirit maketh intercession. The inner man 
intercedes on our behalf. Intercession is the word E-N-T-U-G-C-H-A-N-O. Intuncano. It has the same meaning as the Old Testament word intercession, which is the word pagal. It means to stop or impinge, which means to, P-I-N-G-E, impinge progress. While something's about to happen in our life, and God knows it would be too much for us to stand. He says, I will come along the road and I will knock you off that path and knock you onto another path. It would be like some car is going to run over this little kid coming down the road here. It's about to hit this kid trying to cross the street. And a car up here sees the car going to hit it and he runs up here and hits that car and knocks it off that path. God says, I know when you need interceding. I know when it needs to happen. But don't think it needs to happen every time you get in a predicament. And he makes intercession for us with groanings. Stenogmos, a form of stenazo, that cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit, the inner man, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. His intercession will come according to the will of God. And we know. And is a coordinating conjunction. When you look at chapter, verse 27, and, that's a coordinating conjunction. Likewise, verse 26 is a coordinating conjunction. But, in verse 25 is a coordinating conjunction. For is a conjunction in verse 24. And is a conjunction. This is one thought. One thought. And then he says, And we know that all these things that we're having to go through to get rid of this outer man, they all work together for good. All this inner fire, trials, persecution that God's bringing in our lives to get rid of our self-desires. And when you come to a place where you don't want self so much anymore, you quit competing with the world. And when you quit competing with the world, people don't want to outdo you. I've got a lot of enemies, but they're going to give up before I will. I don't give up on not doing anything. I'm just not going to fight any of you out there. i got a lot of enemies. Of course, when you preach predestination, death to self, daily cross, self-denial, you get a lot of enemies. And we know that all things work together for good. What, what are all things? The groaning in verse 26, the fire, the trial, getting rid of the carnal man, whatever it takes God to do, if he's got to make you a quadriplegic or a paraplegic or make you crippled or do whatever he has to do, he'll do that. And it all works together for good to them that love God. That's the word agape to those that are walking in the commandments of God. That's what love means. This is love that we walk after his commandments, Second John 6. Them that love God and to them who are the called. Called is the word kaleo. And the called is the ek kaleo. Or ekklesia. E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. 
Ekklesia comes from ek and kaleo. It means called out. That's the word church. For all the church, all these things we're going through to get rid of self. And then he says, for. For takes in consideration of everything back in this chapter everything in the previous chapter, everything in chapter 6, even goes back to chapter 5, chapter 4, chapter 3, chapter 2, chapter 1. It all is one thought in this letter. And then he says, for because of all these things that we're having to go through, to get rid of, to get rid of that man in chapter 6, I am crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. He's getting rid of our body of sin. You know, I have so many people come up to me and say, Jim, I just have a hard time getting over sin, getting over myself. I say, I know that. And most of you don't know that everybody else is telling me that. It's kind of funny because... There's no temptation taking you, but such is is common to me. All I had to do is admit what I've been, and I know what you are. It's what we all are. We've got something the world doesn't have. We have an inner man that says, I'm going to take over your life, and I'm going to make you surrender. I'm going to make you put your hands in the air and say, I give up. Wouldn't it be good to get over self? It would be great, wouldn't it? Well, the only way it happens is in time, in the fire and the trials. Think I'm not strange concerning the fire trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. That's why I love that verse so much. Strange is the word kenizo, X-E-N-I-Z-O. Kenizo. It comes from the word X-E-N-O-S, which is the word stranger. It means an occasional guest. This fire is not occasional guest in your life. It's to get rid of that outer man that gives you such a hard time, which is you. Our only problem in the world is me, self. That's all it is. These people want to fight me. They don't realize their only problem is them. You don't fight people. The servant of the Lord does not strive. The word makomai means to fight. When you really become a servant of God, you stop your fight. How much time do I have, guys? 16. 15. I wasn't going to go through all this. Let me go ahead and read verse 29. For, because of all things working together, of all the groaning, back in verse 26, 23, and 22, because we're new creatures with the inner man, and we've got this spirit of God in us, and we're the sons of God. And this carnal man is enmity against God. And he's the guy that we talked about so much over in verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I serve the law of God, with the flesh the law of sin. And all those do's and allow and dwelleth all through that last half of that seventh chapter all of those are sin, the sinful man wanting to do his way. And Paul says that man has to die daily, has to be crucified daily. How are you crucified? You're condemned because this inner man keeps wanting to say some truth to somebody out there 
once in a while you'll say truth and they'll they want to condemn you and once in a while you get mad and then sometimes you'll get glad and then sometimes it's just it it's taken the years for you to overcome that outer man it takes longer than five or ten years it took me a whole lifetime to give up fighting people don't mean the the outer man will still be there you'll have a thin veneer of sin or self the older you get but you're not going to want to do the things you used to want to do I don't want to go out to some club somewhere and sing golly that's too much work I don't want to flirt with some girl in a nightclub down here on Dickerson Road it's like you mean I have to go down there please don't make me do that there was a time I would do that real easy no more don't want to do the things I don't want to do the things I used to do and then he says for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate who is the whom he foreknew in this context who is the whom huh it's the inner man isn't it whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image to the icon of Christ the inner man we're going to be like the inner man he predestined us to conform to the icon to the likeness of Christ that's our word I-C-O-N icon that's the likeness of something what's the likeness of the presidency old John Kennedy uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower Roosevelt those are icons of the presidency something that really represented it no man I liked them all but they were icons and the likeness of Christ is going to take over us that's what we're predestined to how is it going to happen through the fire we've got to go through is anybody having a hard time with anything well that's what you're supposed to go through I think everybody else raised their hand didn't they we have a hard time with this outer man who wants his way and we have to go through the fire and the trials and the persecution the tribulation and that is what makes us like Jesus when we get older we just say I give up Lord I surrender let me give you well, let me go ahead and just read this here. For whom? Whom? The whom is talking about the inner man that he knew. He's going to say to those on his left hand in Matthew, the seventh chapter, Depart from you the work of iniquity. I never knew you. I never going to go to you. I never had a personal, intimate relationship with you. But whom he did foreknow. Y-N-O-S-K-O. Personal relationship. I never had a relationship with you. If you were mine, I'd put you through persecution. I'd scourge you so you can be partaker of my holiness. That's what he says in Hebrews 12. This is the scourge right here. Every bad thing that's ever happened in your life, God will take you to a point down the line. You say, I don't want to fight no more. You say, I don't care what people does to me. I'm at that place now. I don't care what you do to me. I don't care. 
I'm tired. I'm wore out in life with people. I'm tired of the world. I'm tired of life. I really am. I don't talk much even around Mary. I just, I'm just kind of disinterested in living. I'm disinterested in things and stuff and owning things. It's nothing but a headache. You know that? It's a headache. The more you own, the more you got to take care of. I just wonder about people like Bill Gates. How in the world does he tend to all of his businesses without stressing to the hilt? You see, I believe they all stress. They're worried about somebody beating them out of their money or making more money than they make. He, Bill Gates, I read this week in Forbes magazine. I was in the doctor's office. I don't take Forbes magazine. But it tells you who the richest men in the world. And it gave a list of the 20 richest billionaires in the world. Bill Gates was second. He was, he was uh, worth $96 billion. You know how much a million is? I have much a billion is. A billion is having a billion is having a million dollars a thousand times. Well, ninety-six billion is having a million dollars ninety-six thousand times. Can you imagine that? But Bill Gates only gets to keep his money for another twenty years or so, and he's going to die and leave all of it. What do you think about that, Bill Gates? How hardly shall a rich man enter the kingdom of God? They don't go. All 20 of those richest billionaires in the world, I believe every one of them are going to hell. How are they going to take a daily cross and talk about death to self and self-denial? They're not. So, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, that is, predestinate, them he also called, whom he called, them he also justified, whom he justified, them he also glorified. Predestinate, in verse 30, called, justified, and glorified, all aorist indicative verbs. That was done before the foundation of the world. Everyone is not predestinated. It's already been done. What shall we say then? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, the inner man, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect, God's inner man? If you can charge me with something the outer man done, the Bible says you cannot charge the inner man with anything. I'm accused of things all the time. I'm accused of stealing from the poor. I've never stolen anything from a poor person. I will not. I'll give to the poor. We're giving over twenty, over two thousand dollars a month away to the needy. I thought it was twelve hundred or fourteen hundred, but it's more two thousand or twenty-two hundred. We give to the needy every month, and they are really needy. 
Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. God is the one that pronounces innocent, and he pronounces the innocent, inner man innocent, and everyone outside, all men are guilty before God. If you don't have the inner man, you're guilty. If you have the inner man, you're innocent. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who hath made intercession for the inner man. Who shall separate us, the inner man, from the agape of Christ? Shall tribulation separate us? No. That makes us that that makes us pure. It refines us. Or distress. I'll read that fourth chapter of Second Corinthians. Shall distress separate us? No. Our persecution, our famine, our nakedness, our peril, our sword. And is as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all day long. We as believers carry a daily cross every day and they kill us. They kill us all day, every day. And we bear a cross so God can get rid of this outer man. Because it's because of the self-desires that we compete with the world and they want to destroy us. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. We die daily as sheep. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He loved the inner man. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing's going to separate us because we're born with the inner man being in us. And this utter man is going to, he's living in a dead life. There's nothing in this life worth living for. Do I have any time? Four minutes. I meant to preach a completely other message tonight. Didn't mean to preach this at all. I was going to show you over here in, and I was going to end up over here in John 3. In John 3, where Jesus says, this is people been wrestling with, and this was going to go with my baptism series. I'm going to come back next week. There's some things that look like baptism saves us, and it does, but not water, but blood. In John 3, where Jesus says to Nicodemus, except, verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That word and is a conjunction. It's the word chi. It looks like there's two different baptisms there. Chi can also mean even. Are the, are the same as i.e. that is to say the spirit 
And the Bible calls the Spirit living water over and over again. The Spirit is living water. And that's what we're baptized with. Even the Spirit, the truth. And when we go through the baptism of truth, that's everything. I will come back next week and preach the message I meant to preach tonight. I wanted to give you some of these conjunctions and some of the rest of this stuff on infinitives and participles. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer and uh, I appreciate everybody coming that comes. Lord, thank you for truth. God, I pray that you'll open the doors of this ministry to continually allow us to tell the truth to the world. Only you can do what you want to do here. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for all the persecution. Lord, we need that to get rid of self. We thank you for fighting our battles, supplying all the need. You've done more than I ever expected would be done with this ministry. Thank you for truth, most of all. We'll praise you for all things. Fight our battles for us. We will not fight anymore. In Christ's name we pray, man. I didn't even mean to go there, but I did. I love you, Dave. My, um grade school teacher used to say an adjective describes the noun. You said what? The adjective describes the noun. Well, it does. They modify nouns and pronouns. Modify means to to alter. Alter. Yeah, what it means to alter. <laughs>